Welcome to Floodlight Software's NDE 4.0 podcast, where we interview various experts in industry 4.0 concepts, issues, and technologies for non-destructive testing and inspections. This show is the place to go to learn about the biggest challenges and opportunities around NDE 4.0 from some of the smartest people in the industry. So sit back and be prepared for a really thought-provoking discussion. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Floodlight's NDE 4.0 podcast, where we pose five questions to a variety of NDE 4.0 experts and explore the benefits and challenges in this emerging field. Today, we are joined by Ben Connors, who is an expert in technical x-ray and computed tomography. Ben Connors graduated from Ridgewater College with an Applied Associate Science AAS degree in non-destructive testing in 1998. He worked as an NDT technician in a variety of industries, including nuclear power, bridge construction, aerospace castings, and structural steel. In this capacity, he held ASNT Level 2 certifications in RT, UT, MT, PT, VT, as well as AWS Certified Welding Inspector. Since 2005, he has been in the digital x-ray and CT scanning arena as it has grown from a novel technology to being used in mainstream manufacturing, inspection, and failure analysis. Ben is currently the Director of Inspection Services at Avonix Imaging, where his mission is to build up team and operations capabilities to meet the future needs of the market, specifically in scanning parts for aerospace, defense, electronics, additive, and medical devices with digital x-ray and CT. The high-resolution and high-power micro-focus technology is fueling growth. So today's discussion will focus on the manufacturing side of NDT and how we can bring together several of the latest technologies to become smarter and more effective at manufacturing good parts. Welcome, Ben, to Floodlight's NDE 4.0 podcast. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's nice, nice to be here today. Great. The format of this podcast is that I will pose five questions to Ben designed to dig into some of the most meaningful and interesting aspects of NDE 4.0. Our podcast was developed to help educate and expand conversations around the possibilities, challenges, impacts, and opportunities surrounding NDE 4.0. To start off with, I'd like to set the stage for our audience Ben, can you tell our audience a little bit more about CT scanning in general and what makes the Avonix solution unique and the benefits that your customers will achieve due to that? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So kind of start with CT general and then go into Avonix. So CT scanning, um, for, for those that don't necessarily know what it is, it is a, it's an x-ray process, right? But rather than just one uh, x-ray where we'd see a du- two-dimensional image and maybe you would see a, a defect but not necessarily have a depth of field. Um, CT scanning rotates the part and we take x-rays as the part spins 360 degrees. So you might take you know, 1,500 or 3,000 images in a rotation. And as we collect that, that x-ray image while the part is rotating, um, we're able able to see the location of different defects, um, both in depth and in size. Um, so at, at the end of the day, CT is x-ray, but it's a far more advanced um, x-ray process. Um, the 
kind of the easy way to explain it is, you know, for someone that, that's not familiar with, with x-ray or CT, as you think about when you go to the doctor, you know, a, a CT scan, the x-ray tube and detector spin around the body, right? In industrial x-ray, what we do is the tube and detector are static. So the light source and the camera chip, you know, effectively are, are static and we spin the part. And so the kind of the, the joke that we have is that we don't care about our patients um, <laughs> because we, you know, all of this happens in a safe environment in a, you know, contained cabinet or vault or something like that. And so when we're looking at a, you know, metal part or electronics part, you know, other than, you know, a nuanced, uh, you know, some space applications or a few uh, med device applications in electronics, almost everything we see, we can give it quite a bit of radiation and the part comes out fine, right? Um, and so in that, that environment, um, you know, CT is really, really enables us to see defects that, you know, depending on the, you know, the situation, um, someone never saw before without cutting their part in half. So it's, it's really a lot of fun to be able to, to CT scan something. So that's you know, quick, quick on CT. Um, Avonics Imaging, so Avonics as a, as a company started in 2012, originally started um, as a CT scanning service business, and we still do that today. Um, so Brian Ruther, Jeff Deem started the company and uh, partnered with Nikon. And the main reason we, we partnered with Nikon is because of the X-ray tube technology. And that's certainly advanced over the last 10 years. I think April was our 10 year birthday as a company. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah, we should, maybe we should get a cake. Um, uh, but you know, that X-ray tube technology, that's the base of the physics of X-ray. You know, we all know that X-ray is light and the way that these Nikon tubes are built and the way that we utilize them is we manage heat differently, right? So one of the things that we do is we use a rotating target, but we do it in a microfocus setting. So very, very high resolution setting. And so with that rotating target or that, that spinning target, when, what that means to manufacturers, to our customers, is flat out we can see defects no one else can see and the the physics is absolutely fascinating with these types of x-ray tubes but we've got um you know customers where we have done round robin tests and we can pretty openly and confidently say that we can see a defect no one else can see and that's that's a lot of fun because we sit down with someone that's you know literally a rocket scientist and way way smarter than, than anyone I'm, you know, you know, you get to hang out with really, really intelligent people and they're blown away with what we can, you know, the small portion of, of the, you know, building a rocket or building an electric car or building a, a you know, heart device, really impactful things. And we're a small part of that and helping them make it better. So yeah, that, that's, that's pretty cool. That yeah, is very, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, and how long has your technology been around? Has it been around since 2012? Um, yeah, so it, well, the, the lineage of, of x-ray, you know, we can go back to Rentkin. I, you know, I don't think we got enough time for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, the lineage of, of that x-ray tube, you know, it's a, it's a Nikon company today. Um, but X-Tech was originally started in, in the UK. Um, and then there was a series of acquisitions and they ended up with, 
with uh, or Nikon ended ended up with a company called XTech. Um, but the those X-ray tubes are they're developed in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know the the unique thing is 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 there's only a few places in the world where microfocus X-ray tubes are built. Right, okay. Germany most certainly. Right, there's a lot of German X-ray tubes, and they're they're good. Um, you know, there's the UK and specifically the Nikon or XTech product. And then there's a little bit in in Asia, but it's such a niche niche market, um, and we just manage the physics differently. Cool, really, really neat. So, um, moving to question number two, let's talk about what are the benefits of CT scanning in the three D printing industry. You know, we've talked about three D printing, and that's a brand new industry itself. And how do you combine those? those technologies and what are the benefits? Sure. So the 3D printing industry is, is really a lot of fun. You know, if you look at it, where it's at today compared to two years ago, compared to 10 years ago, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, there, there are 3D printed parts that are absolutely flying today, right? Whether, it, whether it's on, you know, aircraft or rockets or, or defense things, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, one of the big deals about additive manufacturing is the engineers can iterate very quickly. So they can make a design or a CAD model today. They can print it tomorrow you know, in, in air quotes. Maybe it'll take a couple days or a week to print whatever, or two weeks to get, get your design on the machine, but relatively quick. Whereas, you know, an older process where if you'd make a design send it to a, let's say a casting house. And then that casting house takes weeks or months to make tooling. And it could take a really long time to get your first prototype. Whereas they're, now they're able to iterate very quickly with their design. So our, our piece of it, the x-ray piece of it and CT part is we'll scan a part after it's you know created and we can see inside of it and they can look to see if they're making it with or without a defect. And you know, with this Microfocus 450, we're able to see very small defects. And so our customers are able to make a smaller, lighter, more uh, high quality part because they absolutely know that we can see defects. No one else can see. And so you know, when you start adding up weight reduction and quality confidence in you know, really cutting edge really, really cutting edge um, manufacturing situations. Uh, it, it's a big deal um, yeah. to be able to see those, those kinds of defects. So I, I think our, our impact is that feedback loop, yeah. right? You know, and right now, um, you know, there just to be clear, there's not a, a big red easy button that goes from the additive printing machine to CT and then tells the additive machine to you know, change it. <laughs> you know, to, to change the product and, and change the manufacturing. But we, we had a study with a, a pretty high-end university recently and they, you know, they do defense work and they do other things um, where we scanned about a hundred samples and on the additive manufacturing machine, they set different settings from knowing that the part was bad to expecting it was good to knowing it was bad. And, and you know, the, the gist of the study was then they could take the settings from the additive machine 
take the ground truth of the CT data, and they actually did do some destructive testing as well to prove out CT. Mm -hmm. um, and then they could make statements inside their organization about how to manufacture the next part, right? You know, if you change the setting of this laser, or you change this material or what, whatever the changes are, they could use CT along with their settings to make a good decision on the next round of parts. That's right. really, really, that's really, really interesting. I mean, what we're talking about here is almost real-time manufacturing changes, process Same changes thing. in, in yes. the manufacturing process so that it's, it's like, I feel like what this means, if I look at the big picture, it's sort of in the old days when it was really expensive to create the process that created the actual part. So you wouldn't want to change it too frequently because that would be costly, right? And so... Yeah. The trade-off is that you sort of wait until the process is really, really making bad parts, so much so that you really need to change the process. Whereas now, like you say, we can we can make the process better almost in real time so that we don't have to have a tolerance for any kind of defect, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, there's a couple of components. One is, you know, let's squeeze defects out of the process. I mean, any good engineering process wants to meet the that defect at its creation point and fix mm -hmm. that, not just, you know, the worst worst case scenario is you're always finding it in inspection, right? And you got a then you got a 20% or 40% drop off rate and you're throwing parts away. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, so we want to feed that back. Um, but the other thing really with this high resolution CT, you know, with high resolution 450, seeing defects that weren't seen before, is parts can be lighter, mm. right? You know, because any engineering factor has to consider, you know, what defect could be in there that we couldn't find. Right, right. right? You know, and the higher the risk, the more that's a, a concern. Um, but, you know, if we can see small defects confidently, now we can say, let's make this a little bit lighter. So for, yeah. for making a tractor, who cares? <laughs> you know, I mean, as long as it, it works, it, you know, weight's not a big issue. But you get to, you know, cars that are trying to be more efficient. You airplanes, to, uh, for sure. Airplanes, I mean, obviously there's a, you know, there's a lot of activity on, you know, composite going into aircraft for a reason, right? It use, it's going to use less fuel. Um, you know, or you look at, pound for pound in the, the rocket business, all these satellites that are going up, all the stuff that's going up right now, um, you know, pound for pound, that's, that's a big deal. You know, yeah. we're, you know, I don't want to project that we're designing these rockets. We're not right. But we, we do look at, you know, components and we certainly have a, uh, you know, a small piece of that. Yeah, cool. definitely. I mean, it takes, it takes the whole process to, to make a change. So, you know, it's really fascinating to think about these things. So one of the things I'd like to dig into a little bit, we've, you've touched on it already, but you've talked about this feed, feedback loop between inspecting the inspection of parts and the configuration or settings of the 3D printer that manufactures mm -hmm. parts for, or yep. manufactures future parts. So for our question number three, can you explain a bit how, how first of all, how it works today? You know, I know it's not magic, um, but how you kind of anticipate it working down the road as, as you make, as improvements are made to that process. And then 
you know, I think the benefits are obvious that you'd be able to see, you know, sort of make quicker adjustments to the manufacturing process based on real results and real readings, right? Sure. So the, the, the feedback loop today as we see it, and I'll um, kind of refer back to our, our university friends because that's an, an easy one that, that I can talk about somewhat openly. Um, but in, in that feedback loop, they designed that test of making good parts and bad parts and the CT to basically train future operators and future engineers on that um, on that additive system, right? On that additive machine, they use that as a as what they would always refer to as the ground truth. Mm-hmm. Of, you, know, you you set the knobs a certain way, and um, then then these people can make decisions on you know if I'm making this area of this part this thick. I need to think about these things, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I can see that becoming a little less manual. I mean, that was a purely an R&D environment. And, you know, the people we were working with are writing additive standards. You know, they're, they're, what they're ultimately trying to do is cascade a set of rules like ASTM or other, other mm-hmm. procedures, uh, other guidelines. They're trying to cascade that out to the market that builds, you know, things that fly. Um, so that, that, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Um, if you go to you know, specific manufacturers, based on the pressure that they have, they're doing that quicker, right? Yeah. But it's, um, I mean, we're, we're certainly a ways away from a, you know, a CT scan, just cut, paste, drag and drop it on the, on the additive machine and then some knobs are turning, right? Right, and right project that that's happening today it's you know i'm not aware of it yeah yeah Interesting. But, it, but it but there's potential there right Definitely. there is potential you know it's, yeah. I mean, that's uh um you know, but the, the quicker we can make help someone make a good part you know and the better off they're they're going to succeed we're going to succeed definitely and one of the things that's always the case with with new technologies is that there's there tends to be resistance, and so I'd like to talk about that a little bit uh, in our in our next question. Do you think that there will be any roadblocks for organizations that are interested in this technology? Um, you know, in terms of adopting an, an automated automated feedback loop or some of the you know kind of just the whole general technology. And if so, what do you think the roadblocks will be? What do you think the resistance what kind of format do you think that resistance will come in? Sure. Well, a lot of times we can use history as a guide. It's not perfect, but it'll give you some clues, right? And, um, you know, the, the easiest one for me in, in this business to refer to is a film to digital conversion conversion or a you know, film to CT conversion, you know, something like that, where there's a an old product, an old methodology that everyone's comfortable with, right? And, you know, in the past, you know, before ASTM had matured and procedures and everyone had matured with digital, there was a lot of argument against it, against digital. Um, But I I think, you know, you always have to weigh the value, right? Uh, You know, I think back to a a customer, a company I worked with years ago, they'd spend a million dollars a year on film on x-ray film, right? Mm-hmm. And you come to them with a you know digital x-ray and they're like, oh, we can stop using film tomorrow. Like, well, 
you need a couple of these machines type type of a deal. And then we had to get into proving it out. Can we see the defects or not, right? And so the, the social part is probably the hardest hurdle. It's usually not, not the technical hurdle. It's that kind of commitment to the old thing, right? Right. Um, that, that, is, that is a hard thing to overcome. Um, but I think usually the, the proof is in the pudding. And, you know, if you can just do a side-by-side -side study, you know, again, film, film to DR as an example was, I can see a defect here. I can see it here. Yes. Go to the next one. Yes. Yes. And you have to do that over and over and over again. Um, the, the next hurdle after you've kind of proven, yes, I can see it today is, can I see it over a period of time? Right. Can I see the defect over a period of time, which, you know, that leads to a lot of the ASTM stuff. There's a you know friend of mine that that worked pretty heavily on the ASTM, um, you know, digital and defense working group type stuff, and you know it took quite a while for standards to adopt exactly how we're going to test this machine to prove I saw the defect today. Will I see it in a year? Right now, that's all very normal. Right, if you go into anyone that's doing some kind of digital X-ray work. They've got some kind of an ASTM 2737 or something to, to prove their machine works, right? To prove that, yep. that the panel works or whatever. So pushing forward into, you know, using CT to talk back and, uh, you know, to be some kind of a feedback loop, um, you have to prove it, right? The, the social aspect of, of getting past someone that, that's got their heels dug in, you know, I mean, that that's, that's hard. That's probably it's maybe over my head it's more psychology than technical <laughs> yeah it, it, it is funny i think in all the conversations i have with folks about the challenges um hardly anybody talks about the challenges technically right i mean it's like we spend so much time on the on the technical aspects of these new technologies and testing and figuring stuff out by the time it gets to the point where we can really take it to market, we've sort of ironed out the technical issues to the point where, yeah, right, yeah. right, we know it's going to work, and it's almost like I feel like we we end up bringing people along as more more of an afterthought because I feel like that's where always the resistance is. It's people that don't believe that it works, or they have to be convinced and they have to be shown, and so that just kind of adds another year or two to the adoption cycle. Um, I don't know that anybody, anybody's figured that out, but I, what I have oh. noticed is that almost always resistance is a, like you say, a social thing, a people thing versus a technology thing. It, it, it is, and I'll uh, maybe take a little detour. We had, we were at a uh, AS&T conference, I think it was about a year ago. And, you know, so it was a, a group of, you know, level threes and high-end engineers. And the one thing that, you know, it was an open panel discussion we were involved in. And um, the thing that detoured the whole conversation was a great discussion was core values of the people that you're dealing with, right? So our company, uh, maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, myself and the owners and a couple other people and a coach got involved with uh, setting core values for our organization, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we like any company, we want to have success for our team, 
for our customers, our strategic partners, vendors, anybody that comes in contact with us, we want them to succeed, right? Because if, if my vendor doesn't succeed, how am I going to succeed? Right? If my customer is not doing well, et cetera. So we got to have some level of mutual success. And so we were brainstorming on, on a whiteboard of what, what should our saying be? What should our core values be? That sort of thing. There's three things that, that stuck out when you look back on, um, you know, people you've worked with and the, the three things that really stuck out for us is authenticity, competency, and empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. And we coin it as ACE. Um, the reality is competency is what most of us technical type people talk about. Are you a level two or are you a level three? Are you a professional engineer? Do you have a PhD on and on and on, right? Like what's your sticker, your certification? That one's really easy, mm -hmm. right? You know, either you are or you aren't. Either you um, can do the job or you cannot, right? So the, the C is the easy part. Authenticity, you know, for us, our kind of our saying or what we've written up, you know, show up joyful, humble, imperfect, actually had some debate on, <laughs> on that. And I'm glad it's in there. Um, you know, vulnerable, compassionate, curious, and grateful to serve others. Right. So that authenticity, if someone shows up authentic, um, you know, you can be confident that they're not fighting you for the wrong reasons. Right. Um, and then empathy, um, you know, you, you've got to look through other people's eyes, not your own. Right. That's hard. Yeah. Your, you know, if, if it's your customer and they've got a line down and they are, they can't ship parts today, you know, you need to be falling all over yourself to help them. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, I mean, back to the original thing of, of, you know, how do we get over that resistance? A lot of that comes down to core values of the person or the organization, right? True. Yeah. Are you, are you going to, battle this progress or are you going to help it along? I'm not saying do something foolishly. It's got to work, right? Yeah. It, you know, whatever the technology is, it's got to work. And um, a lot of the resistance I feel like comes from something you touched on, which is, which is really risk tolerance. I mean, that's really what this whole industry is about is yeah. addressing risk. Right. And so if the customer's bringing in an, if, or if an organization's bringing in a new technology, they have to be really, really darn sure that it's going to work better than what they're already doing. Absolutely. Otherwise they're bringing more risk to their organization and to their customers. Right. Yep. So, yep. and, and some yeah. of that, you know, and, and some of that is, you know, technology, but so, some of that is, you know, it just comes down to the P and L right. Yeah. Flatly the, I mean, the dollars have to get involved at some point and you know, if you can make a lighter part quicker and get to market quicker, away you go, right? You're going to succeed. And if you're really slow and really heavy and you're having a hard time flying something, <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to be awkward. Super. So. Yeah. Super interesting. It's really interesting to think about all the dynamics between um, psychology and technology and, you know, moving forward, change, all of those things are kind of all part of this, this, this still know, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so let's, yeah. let's move on to our final question of the day, which is, which is, um, we'll hit more on your introspection here. If you could jump five years into the future, what would you hope to see different, changed, or improved, and what impacts do you think that will have? Oof. Um, 
Well, I'd like to go to the stratosphere and say that there's a red easy button for everything. Um, you know, as far as like we do a scan, <laughs> it just fixes the part and whatever. Um, but just like anything, how do, how do we eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? One bite at a time. And so I think part of CT adoption is, you know, the standards maturing, right? The, you know, OEMs and the top end uh, type customers adopting CT and really putting it on the print. I mean, we're, we're seeing that when I say on the print, I mean, if you've got an approved engineering document of some sort and it says it's got to measure this and be made of this material and it's got to be CT scanned. You know, we're starting to see that, but most of the time, if we get a, a, a print like that, it's the first time this person is doing that, right? It's, it's the first time they're going and asking, first time they're receiving, they're just kind of learning. I think once that is really rolling and really normal, right? Then people look at it and say, okay, there's a lot of manual work on, you know, taking this CT scan and talking back to the machine. Right. So get it on the print, you know, it, it becomes normalized as um, something that's just as, as normal as a CMM or a laser scanner. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just it's part of the quality environment. Um, and, and I think once that's normal, you know, cause right now we're uh, 10 years ago, I feel like it was 90% somebody I talked to didn't know that CT scanning existed in this form. Right. Now I feel like, you know, the people we meet, new customers, it's, you know, 40, 50% we're still in the education phase. Mm. You know, five years from now, I hope that we're in more rooms and more conversations where a customer comes in and they say, oh, yeah, I've got a, you know, 450 microfocus and I got a 4343 panel and I've got this and I like cesium and, you know, like that conversation is completed and they know mm -hmm. that's when we move to how do we push the data back around right gotcha. and, you know we've yeah. certainly got you know very educated customers right that have you know written standards and certainly brilliant and we've got other customers where today might be their first time they've ever heard of ct mm -hmm. you know so we're still in education mode but i think as the market matures education wise in, in how CT works, that will drive, you know, NDT 4.0. Big, big, right. You know, cause you gotta, you gotta know the, the footings and the foundation before you start get, getting further along. Yeah, so. I totally agree. I mean, there's definitely a process, a learning process, as you say, and getting used to technology, um, you know, from in our world, at Floodlight, it's, it's kind of similar. We're, we're providing a digital foundation for customers just so that they can get their data digitalized, which is really step one in this much longer, you know, digital transformation process. And, you know, some customers are, are sort of well on their way and some Absolutely. companies are just really struggling with those first steps. And, and you're exactly right. So I think there's a lot of correlation there. So in any case, this was a really, really fantastic discussion. Thank you so much, Ben, for being here today and bringing us such interesting perspectives. This is a great conversation. Well, thank thank you for having me. That's uh, my, my first podcast, so I didn't know what to do. <laughs> well, you did fantastic. <laughs> thank, you. Um, thank you. And 
so, and I look forward to seeing some new advance, advancements coming out of, of Onyx and definitely will continue to follow you, Ben. And I encourage our listeners to also follow Ben and or Avonix as well. You'll find links on our podcast webpage as well. Uh, if any of our listeners have any feedback or would like to nominate an individual or an organization to be a guest on a future episode, please send a message to one of us here through the Contact Us form on our website, www.floodlightsoft.com. Thanks again, Ben, for being with us today. And thanks to our listeners for joining. And we'll see you next time. To learn more about NDE 4.0, Emerging Technologies and Digital Transformation, please visit www.floodlightsoft.com for additional resources, including our blog and several relevant white papers. If you have any questions about today's episode or suggestions for future episodes, please send an email to info at floodlightsoft.com. Thank you so much.